it's true. You can be seated. Thank you so much. I started singing that after I'd cut my mic on. I don't know if you caught that. So uh, they most of the time control me, but I'm controlling myself today, and I boo-booed. So uh, anyway, God's good, isn't He? Isn't it fantastic? He is risen. It's really true. By the way, uh, 12 years ago, I traveled over there. It's a long way. We're going to go again. We're going to go again. When did I tell you we're going again? In November of what? 23. 22. No, 23. Yeah, it's next year. Who am I? I don't know. So it's November of 23. But I traveled all the way over there. And you may tell you what? Tomb's still empty. Amen? Still empty. But I'll tell you something else. When we did devotions the last night, we were there. Uh, we're all doing testimonies, and we're, we're right outside the empty tomb. And us and really several thousand people are, you know, within a stone's throw of the empty tomb, and they're worshiping like we are. And here's the truth about that. Uh, I'm glad I went, and I'm going to go again, God willing. But I... I didn't have to see the empty tomb for me to know he's alive. I've met him. Amen? See, that changes things. That's just every Easter Sunday when we do sunrise. Every Sunday is an Easter Sunday to me. Amen? Because you have life. Life is in his son. You know, it's interesting. A while ago, Robbie was reading about, he tells the disciples, by the way, go to John 20. Take your Bibles and go to John 20. Um, by the way, I don't want you to think I think I'm some fancy boy carrying my water around, okay? But my, I have a bad throat because having all those surges on my throat, and I'll lose my voice if I don't drink. So, um, so anyway, that's why I carry it around. I'm not a pretty boy or a fancy boy, right? Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, he was reading about So go to John 20. Uh, we'll, we'll come here in a minute. John chapter 20. And uh, we'll pick up on part of the... Uh, the uh, Easter narrative here in just a second. But part of the passage, Jesus tells the Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, by the way, there were three Marys at the cross and three Marys went to the empty tomb. Uh, interesting. Um, but he says, he says, go tell, see, until you go there, you don't think about this. He says, go tell my disciples, I will see them or meet them. Do you remember where? Galilee. You don't have to look at a map. Jesus was crucified. Jesus wasn't crucified in Galilee. Where was he crucified? Right out of the, wall, the, the city wall of Jerusalem. It's over 70 miles to Galilee. How could Jesus see them? In, well, they're from Galilee, by the way. That's where most of these guys are from. But how would Jesus see them in Galilee? Because he's not limited by time and space. You with me? He's in a glorified body. So when he got ready, he could show up in Galilee when he got ready to show up in Galilee, right? Right? See, that's part of the victory over death and also part of the promise of a glorified body. Us being, being promised a physical resurrection. We've already experienced the, the, the spiritual resurrection, but we are promised... A physical resurrection. Um, I use this a lot at, at when I do funerals, and just something to think about when when a funeral of a saved person. Um, 
it's, it's when Luke records this. Uh, again, put your thinking hats on. We're celebrating the, the body of Christ coming out of the tomb, right? Uh, and by the way, the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, right? It was so we could see in that the tomb was empty. Remember that. That stone was rolled away and an angel sat upon it, not so Jesus could get out. Jesus was already out. It's so we could peer in or man could peer in and see that the tomb was empty. But one of the things I talk a lot about when we do a funeral of a saved person is I, I talk about the thieves on the cross. And uh, now put your thinking hats on because th- this is what the resurrection's about. You know, one cursed Christ, and the other repented, remember? And he said, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's what he said to Christ. And then you remember what Christ said to him. Today, now, now think, think with me. Today, you shall be with me in paradise, right? Also could be called the third heaven. There's three stages. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Is that true? Yes, okay? Now think about what Jesus was saying. Where did Jesus' body go? It was on a cross, then where did it go? But where did Jesus go? The Jesus, Jesus, Him, His nature, the God-man. Where did He go? Well, He really went anywhere He wanted to go. But He, as the Son of God, went. that's why the Bible says absent in the body is where? The same was true for Christ. So, so sometimes we think that Jesus literally died, that God died and was non-existent for, for three days as if Jesus had nowhere to go. He was a nobody for three days. That's not true. He went to be with the Father. And, and amazingly, in this resurrected body, do you remember what happened after He had appeared for 40 days? you remember what happens? What, what, what happened? He is, did He ascend in a spirit form or bodily? Bodily. Now, now, I don't know how that happens. It's another dimension, right? It's kind of mystical. But Jesus ascended physically into heaven. He did that in a resurrected body, right? And guess what's been promised to you? A resurrected body. See, this is the power of the resurrection. See, I've already met, I've already been raised from the spiritual death. I have. If you're here and you've been saved, you've been raised from spiritual death. But the the further promise is one day, my physical body is going to come out of a tomb just like Christ did, and I'm going to have a glorified body, and I'm going to rule with Christ in a kingdom that He reigns. That's what's going to happen. That's why the empty tomb is important. So, I don't want you to think this morning that God died, that Jesus died. No, He, you know, and that's why the Bible says, same thing, we're alive. You're alive. You don't, you've already died. The Bible says you died in Christ. I don't know how God did that. It's, it's, it's amazing that, I'm, and even right now, you died with Him. The Bible says if you died with Him, you're certainly going to live with Him. But I'm, I'm, I died with Christ. I'm living with Christ and in Christ. 
and I'm going I'm to be glorified with Christ, and I'm going to reign with Christ. All physical. That's the power of the empty tomb. See, it makes the Christian life realistic. This isn't some figment, some mystical thing that's not tangible. It is literally a tangible body in a tangible kingdom that the empty tomb promises. But you have to know Him. You have to know Him to get a new body. So, anyway, your Bible's open to John chapter 20, and I notice we only have an hour, so I've got to be really, really quick. So, John chapter 20, you know, um, last this past week was Holy Week. Let me just say this too, okay? Um, I think I sent Robbie a text asking him to remind me of this. And I'm just saying as your pastor, and this is my fault, nobody's fault my own, we need to do more on Holy Week. Okay, so we're going to start doing something. On, you don't have to come, but I'm telling you, next, next year on Good Friday, we're going to do something. It bothers me. Well, that bothers me, but it, I, it, it's, it's a sacred week. I mean, it's just like the week of Christmas. We need, to me, I, I want to be with my church family on Good Friday. So from now on, I think on Good Friday, I don't know what we're going to do. But we're going to do something next year, and we'll start making that a tradition to do something on Good Friday. But it's just so significant. But last week was Holy Week, okay? So remember, last Sunday was called what? You know, we read that, the Palm Sunday. We read, you know, it was the Sabbath, and then on the next day, so the day after the Sabbath, we read all this, is Sunday, and Jesus goes into Jerusalem from Bethany, and where they were celebrating Lazarus' resurrection, and so there's a bunch of people celebrating with them because Lazarus was now alive and everybody had heard about it in Jerusalem because it's only a couple of miles over the hill. And so there's this massive crowd celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. And so he, he, we call it the triumphal entry. He enters Jerusalem. and Which, by the way, and I won't have time to go here now, this is a week ago, Palm Sunday, fulfills Daniel 9, 24 through 27, Daniel give, the angel gives Daniel a date of all Jewish history and it mentions the presentation of their Messiah. The day Jesus entered Jerusalem met it to the day of Daniel's prophecy. And Dan, you can write it down, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. So to the day when Jesus entered Jerusalem, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. And remember, Zechariah prophesied, but behold, your king is going to be riding not a horse, not a bull, but a donkey, right? A donkey's colt. And, uh, that means a, a young, unridden donkey. So, and my wife will pay $10 to have her picture taken beside in Jerusalem. But anyway, so we talked, we talked about that. So that was something. But last Monday, here's something interesting before we read John. Just kind of see, Jesus had that, that last week. Was you know, and John's gospel is important because from from John twelve seven, you're in the last week of Christ's life. So half of the gospel of John is about the last week, and really, it's almost about the last two days. Okay, so that's why it's so important. And there's details in John that aren't in anywhere else because John was there. Can I ask you another question? What did John do? For, this is just God's sovereignty. Okay. What did John do for a living? His dad was Zebedee. What was their business in Galilee? Fishermen. They were from Capernaum. And they were fishermen. 
Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer this. I don't know the answer, but I'll just say it. It's God. The Bible says that John, who's a fisherman, whose dad was a fisherman, the Bible says he knew the family of the high priest. He, had, he was politically connected. And that's why John was not afraid to go in the inner sanctum when they were doing some of these illegal legal proceedings with the Jews were. John knew people up the political... Isn't it weird that a fisherman from Galilee would be connected to the political powers of Jerusalem that were trying to kill Jesus? But God used that for him to testify to some things that the other gospel writers heard about. But John got to see, and that's why it's so lengthy here. So it just tells you how true the Bible is and, and why sometimes John's narrative is a little different than the other writers because God uses them all. You know, the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are a lot, a lot the same. Synonyms, synoptics. And John's just kind of out there because a lot of things John writes about, he was, he was eyewitness of. Well, let's go back to last Monday of Holy Week, okay? On Monday, um, Jesus did, there's several things he did. The Bible records it. And mainly it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? Because they talk about each day sometimes. John skips a lot. To, to the last couple of days. Uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but so everything, so it's the last week of his life. So what Christ is doing is very, everything he said and did was important. But this last week is profound. The Bible says he cursed the fig tree. By the way, and not only is an olive branch a picture of Israel, but also the, the fig tree is also a picture of Israel. So the the Bible says he cursed a fig tree. He expected, and what it was, he was walking from Bethany to Jerusalem. This is on Monday of last week, Holy Week. And he sees a tree in bloom. It's not the time of year that they would have figs, but it looked like it had figs. So when he gets to it, it had the blooms, but it had no figs. That's a picture of Israel, of the Jews. So Jesus pronounces a curse. And he just says, basically, no, you're not going to bear fruit. They hadn't and they aren't. That's what he said. And we talked about that. The Jewish people didn't fulfill God's commands. And so now Jesus came as the true vine. Israel failed. Jesus is the true vine. So he sees this fig tree and he curses it. They hear him. The disciples are walking with him and he says, no fruit. The next day they came by us dead. So, so now for just to think now, for 2,000 years, it hadn't been about Israel. It's been about the church, right? For 2,000 years. Now Christ is bearing fruit through me and you, right? It's now His body called the church. One day, the church is going to be gone and God's going to reinstitute the kingdom of Israel and it's going to be Israel again. But right now, it's the church. It's about the body of Christ called, called the church. Well, He curses the fig tree. The other thing Jesus did... And I just find this interesting. I'm, I'm taking up my time, and I'm taking up your time. I'm sorry, but I'm chasing a rabbit. I haven't even got through my introduction, but I'm chasing a rabbit. That's funny. But the other thing he did is he, uh, well, one of the other things it says he did, Mark records this, is he, well, two Gospels. He, he cleansed out the temple. Remember, he cleansed the temple. That's a big thing that he did. He, uh, and again, this is Passover, right? It's the week of Passover. That's why it's the perfect time. He's the Passover lamb, slam, slain from the foundation of the world. So Jesus goes into Jerusalem 
on Monday, you know, Passover's not till Friday, and they're selling, they're exchanging animals and monies. And, and so people didn't want to bring their sacrifice, carry it 75 miles from Galilee, so they would buy it there. But they had set up inside the temple proper. Okay? They set up inside the foyer of the sanctuary. It's really what you're saying in those days, the temple. You had the court of the Gentiles. But it's part of the temple. So they'd set up a market. And that's why Jesus throws them out and says, the Bible you know, says, as, as the scriptures say, my father's house will be a house of prayer and, and not of market. So he cast them out of the, you know, so they were making the church or the temple a place of doing business. And there was a lot of thievery going on because they, when somebody showed up, you had to sacrifice a lamb at Passover for your family so they could charge whatever they want, supply and demand. You had to pay. I read this, you had to pay it. I read this week that um, Passover, that, that one Passover, because they recorded all this, but one Jewish historian said that that one Passover he recorded in history, it says on Passover of that year, I, I, it didn't tell me what year, uh, but obviously it was before 70 A.D. and the temple was gone. Um, 256,000 lambs were slain. You're talking, about, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people coming to Jerusalem. And, and, those, and that's why every order of priests had to serve because they just kept sacrificing over. And, anyway, 200... But Christ, anyway, the other thing that, that Jesus did, what bothered him, and, and again, so number one was doing business. I think sometimes we were watching a special yesterday about a, a church movement that started several years ago, and, and it, it was a business, basically. The whole, it was about raising money, and uh, they, in their own way, was defiling the temple or defiling the church. It was an interesting... Uh, but the other thing that Jesus did is what people were doing. Now, this just weren't the money changers. But the outer court of the temple proper. Now, this is the place you'd be entering to go to worship. And a lot of times you're going up the steps, different levels, because you're going up. Eventually, you're going to go into the holy, holy place, you know, and the sacrifice is going to be made. Anyway, so what they were doing... It's because their gates, doors, gates, it's called doors, to the temple wall. Well, what people started doing, and I don't know when they started doing this, but instead of honoring God and walking around the temple, they started cut. they made it a thoroughfare. We cut through. And it's like when I'm going to get something somewhere and I make a shortcut, I'll just cut through the sanctuary to get there. Let's say it makes it a shorter walk. Well, they were doing that to God's temple. And so it was, became a thoroughfare, like a highway or a path. They were walking through. At all times of the day, they would walk through there to save. And they would save several hundred yards of a walk. But it was a place of convenience, not a place of worship. And that, so, see, all these, th all these different things Jesus did on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, of course, Thursday, he ends up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Early Friday morning, he's arrested and sold for how many pieces of silver? Which was the cost of a what? Slave. And uh, then he's crucified on Friday. Like a common criminal. He's raised on the third day. So I'm reading here out of 
John uh, 20. Um, oh, let, can I say one more thing? By the way, I'm in John 20, 11. I'm going to start reading. I promise you, Gary. I promise, Gary. I'm starting a minute. If you read, there's books that talk about martyrdom. Like the early church. Uh, Rome, the Roman persecution of Christians was horrible. And there's records of, you know, thousands upon thousands of, of, of Christians being martyred in the first century. Um, I mean, I'm talking by the thousands. They, they'd be beheaded. Some would be crucified. That's how Peter died, but he was asked to be crucified upside down. Uh, probably the most, well, crucifixion was bad, but they would also dip them in a wax and then they would burn them. They would use humans as candles. The Rome did lions. They'd take them to the lion's den. But you know what? When you read about these martyrs, Many of them you'll read about, they died quoting Scripture or singing hymns because they were convinced because Jesus' tomb was empty that death had no power over them. Do you believe that? Think about that. didn't matter what happened to them because they had no fear of death. We sing about it all the time. Folks, It'll set you free when you don't fear death. Now, I'm not going to run out here and try to get killed. And it, you do want to kind of pick how you die. I don't want to die in pain, but, but you're not afraid of it. It's just salvation does all these things. Well, let me, let me read the text, okay? I'm in John 20. And the narrative that's pretty what um, Robbie earlier read began at verse 1. It says now on the first day of the week. But I want to go up to verse 11. So Mary Magdalene comes back, okay? This is what John's recording. So it seems as if Mary came back, okay? Um, so she comes and with the other women, but it seems now she's alone. So either, she, you know, they walked off and were upset and she kind of meandered back towards the empty tomb. It says, but Mary uh, stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, uh, she stooped to look into the tomb. Uh, I, mentioned, I mention this every year. Uh, it would be worth your while if you've never read about the Shroud of Turin. T-U-R-I-N. That's a city. A shroud that's called the Shroud. That's a covering. Many people believe it is the burial cloth of Jesus. Study it. See, it, it's... Uh, some people say it's not. Some people say it is. But it's an incredible, it's an incredible find. And but it seems it's the it has the image of a crucified man burned into this cloth. You know, it's not sketched. It's burned into it, and you can just see if in fact it is Christ, his body. You know, came through it. But but anyway, so she's looking in and she sees. You know, that's what she's going to see. And so she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are, why are you weeping? And 
she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So it's still probably early morning, much like, you know, early dusk, you know, early and you, you can't see real well. And so, so she thinks, so Jesus said to her, you know, woman, why are you weeping and, and whom are you seeking? Are you reading your Bibles? It says, supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And then what does she say? I will go and what? At this point, John's indicating she's by herself. But she says, I mean, this is, She's so committed to the, to the issue, and she still thinks he's dead, right? With me? She says, I will go. Uh, she's saying something that physically she could not have done, right? Physically, she could not have picked up. She's not going to have to because he's not dead. But she could not physically pick up. But, but she's kind of indicating she'd be willing to do that. I, that's amazing to me. I'll go get him. Just, just tell me where he is, and I'll go get him. Because she, and of course, all this is about they want to prepare his body right. They did it in a hurry. Uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, uh, they did seventy something pounds worth, but they did it. But it wasn't all that needed to be done for his body to be prepared. And she just wanted to to see it and do more. Anyway. So why are you weeping and whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you, you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and, and, and I will take him away. And, and Jesus said to her, and this is where you know Jesus was her master. You with me? Because Jesus says, what? Look at your text. Mary. I don't know. I mean, I, the scriptures don't tell us if, if the inflection of his voice. But at that point, it says he called her by name. Uh, John 10, we sang about it. John 10. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Even though Christ, you know, I know He's resurrected from the dead, and she doesn't have all the New Testament to read, Mary Magdalene had been saved when Jesus cast the demons out of her, according to Luke, in, in early, like Luke 6 and 7. She was saved. So when the shepherd called her name, she recognized by name. I like that, right? So... Mary Magdalene knew who her master was, did she? Has Jesus called you by name? And have you answered? Folks, religion doesn't save. 
Going to church on Easter doesn't save. Going to church at, e at Christmas doesn't save. Having relatives that are deacons and preachers, that doesn't save. Christ is the Savior. And if you don't believe in Him, do you understand? For you get by in repentance and faith in Him, you get life, spiritual life, okay? I'll show you that in a minute. And you're going to get a physical resurrection. But life, and, and then you say, what kind of life is it? It's His life. I, I get His life. That means I end up wanting to live like Him. That's the life that's in me. That's, I'm a poor example. So be it. So are you. Yeah. But the point would be, that's whose life is in me. And so everything that happened to Christ, He took my place, sin, died for sin. But now, that resurrected body out of that tomb, death, no, so I'm His. And I'm in Him. And so death has, has no... But He says, so she knew who her master was. Mary. And she turned and said to Him in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher. Jesus said to her, this is amazing. Are you looking at your Bibles? We, we, got, we got a couple of minutes. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. And the word cling now, it doesn't mean, it didn't say don't touch me. Some people say it, it means, you know, get away and you can't hold my hand or you can't hug my neck. No. The word is the ESV is that's why translations matter. Cling is a good interpretation of the word. Do not cling. It's like she'd grabbed the bottom of his legs and, and wasn't going to let him go. But look what he says. Do not cling to me. Now, folks, be thinking with me now. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. What? He had not ascended to the Father in bodily form. Right? Right? Because we know what the Bible says about the Spirit, right? But He had not ascended. And between now and the ascension, see, the ascension is for them to see it. Okay. little theology. Hold your finger here. Go to 1 Corinthians. This will, be, this will be one verse we'll, we'll look at. But you need to do this, and we've got, we've got a couple of minutes. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. So, so the life that we have in Christ, 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, just go to verse 42. 1542. 1 Corinthians 1542. It's talking about the body here. and says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. Makes sense, doesn't it? So, it's put in the grave, it's perishable. If it stays there long enough, it's going to turn to dirt. Okay. It is sown in dishonor. It's, it's aged. It's, it, the, the person was a sinner. It's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. That's exactly the body of Christ, they, power and glory. It is sown a natural body, 
It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written. You read, look at your Bibles. You're going to learn something maybe you never thought about. The first man, Adam. Did Paul believe in a literal Adam? Did he? So, Paul believed in a literal Genesis, right? He believed in the first books of... Okay. And I think he knew more than other people, right? So, so he says, the first man, Adam, became a living being, right? But then look what it says. The last Adam became a what? A life-giving spirit. Remember way back in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, I'm, gonna send, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another helper. Remember? Shake your head. We did and it's another means another like me. Is exactly what the word means. Allo, another like me. So the Spirit's going to be, is going to promote the life of Christ. So right now, there is a resurrection. But it's a spiritual resurrection because Christ is using the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit, and He is the life-giving Spirit. So the life of Christ has given me life, but it's a spiritual life. But because of the physical resurrection, one day, guess what I'm going to get? A physical resurrection. And the new me that I'm now is then going to be in a glorified body in the future. And Paul in Romans 6, 7, and 8 says, our problem is not the flesh, not, not the epidermis, but what is encased in this person as a descendant of the first Adam. I'm a sinner. You know, that's what, and, but when I get a new body, it won't be there, and so I'll have a glorified body, and that'll be a completely new me. Do you, do you see why the resurrection from the dead is so important? Go back to, go back to uh, John 20. We'll finish. I, I, I'm over time. So, uh, so it says, uh, I'm back to John 20. Uh, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers, and tell them... By the way, quickly, you know that He does ascend. Now, He doesn't tell us when, because they couldn't see it, right? He does at the ascension. He lets them see Him. The angels come and take Him up. But He did that probably several times whenever He wanted to. We, they didn't see it, but they did see the ascension. Then it's recorded, right? But He did it. And that's why He's later on... Uh, at the end of this day, remember he goes back, they see him, the, he, the disciples are hiding in the upper room at the, this same day, at night. Well, this is a week later, when he shows up in the upper room and Thomas is there. We call him doubting, doubting Thomas. But he hadn't been there. And remember what Jesus tells him? Reach in hither, you know, and all that, and touch me and make... You know, he says, put your finger in my hand in my nail prints, and then put your hand in my side, pretty good size wound, to, and know that, that it's me, that, that I'm really, it's really physically me. And, and of course, Thomas didn't even have to do it when he saw the resurrected Christ, you know, he, with the nail prints and all that. He said, you know, my Lord, my Lord and my God. So anyway, it says, Mary Magdalene went and announced, that's the proper message too. She had, you know, she had something to tell, didn't she? Okay. She says, she did exactly so. Go tell my brothers that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And, and that he said these things to her. So just quickly, he, you know, she knew who her master was. She had the right message. She got to go and tell them about the, the victory that Christ had been risen from the dead. But let me, let me tell you a motivation. Okay? We'll finish with this. Jesus was anointed two times. The Bible records, well, it records several, but they're duplicates. Uh, Mary, the, bro, the sister of Lazarus, anoints Jesus at their house right before this. We read in John 12. That's when Judas shows his hand and says, you know, this could have been sold for 300 denarii, so he's been keeping up with money because he's a thief. John reminds us he's a kleptomaniac, remember? And uh, so he's a klepto. And so he wants just money. That's, John remembers that, and so he put that in there. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I hate that. Anointed. Hold on. Don't, don't leave. Do not leave. What did I say? Anointed. I know. Thank you. All right. Mary, yeah, Mary, Mary did one and Mary Magdalene did. Thank you. <laughs> God, I feel like an idiot now. Okay. I, I got it. I'm back. I'm back. I blacked out for a minute, but I'm back. Here we go. We finish. So Mary, the sister of Lazarus, anointed him. Then Mary Magdalene anointed him. The first time. The earlier, the first anointing was Mary Magdalene. Luke records it. And, and Now, some people claim Mary Magdalene was a prostitute before she was saved. That, that's not confirmed. But one thing Mary Magdalene did have, she's demon-possessed. Right? And remember, Jesus cast out the demons. She was saved. And then Jesus, then she anoints Jesus later, pretty close... And people freak out because what she anoints him with is extremely expensive stuff again. And then Jesus says this, and we'll finish with this. And they're freaking out. He says, those... I think, now this, all of us in this room can apply to this. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Let me say it again. Jesus said, though, he's explaining why did Mary Magdalene come and anoint me. Those who, for, who are forgiven much, love much. See, see, what it is, the more and more you realize that you're a sinner, how wicked you are, right? And, and usually the older you get, you don't think better of yourself spiritually. You think worst of yourself. So, the, the, so Mary Magdalene realized how much forgiveness Christ had, had rendered to her in casting out those demons and saving her. So Jesus says, those, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Folks, let me tell you why you love Jesus. Because He set you free from the penalty of death and sin. I love Him. I love Him more than my wife. I love Him more than my children. I love Him more than you. Because I've been forgiven. 
How about you? Have you been forgiven? Let's stand for prayer. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for helping me with the anointing. We might still be here. God's good, amen? I hope you have a great afternoon. If you're going to hunt eggs, have a good time, be with your family. But let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I know somebody here that does not know Jesus. There's bound to be somebody here. And let me just encourage you, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will do their work. And that pricking and that pulling that you feel in your mind and heart, that's, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know you can be saved today. You can repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be born again. And it would be my privilege to share with you how that happens. So if you have doubts, I'm going to be hanging around for a little while. If you want to talk to me about the gospel. Father, we love you and thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for worship. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for setting us free from sin and death. As we leave this place, may what we say and do honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.